turn to Luke 18, Luke 18 tonight, and um, we're going to look at Jesus' view of children. You know, when you think of kids, what comes to your mind? You know, it may be your own children, uh, their smiling faces. It may be things that are not as favorable for some. When you think of children, maybe not your own children, but other people's children. Um, you know, individuals and different cultures have really had a wide range of view of kids over history. When you think of, you know, how, how a culture like the time of, of Jesus viewed children, you know, they were, they were viewed not real favorably. In fact, what's one of the things that we'll see tonight in the text of Luke was Jesus cared about them in a way that was unique compared to the culture of his day. And if, if we're honest, our culture does not have a real high view of children. That's reflected in a, a lot of different ways you can think about. Uh, some of that is reflected in the, the lack of interest that people have in having children or the, the delay of that. We want to have our life in order before we have kids. Some of that's reflected in the abortion culture that we have in our world. Uh, not a love for kids in that way. But many just view kids as kind of a nuisance. Something to be put up with until you get to a later season of life that's better. Um, and so today we want to step back from how our culture thinks about kids or even how we may be tempted to think of our kids or others and focus on what Jesus thinks of kids. So let's pray together and then we'll jump into Luke 18. Father, thank you for the time we can spend together tonight. Thank you for your heart for children. Thank you for the privilege of parenting and for the opportunity we have to consider that together tonight. We love you and thank you in Christ's name. Amen. Look at Luke 18, verses 15 through 17. It says this, it says, And they, parents, were bringing even their babies to him so that he would touch them. But when the disciples saw it, they began rebuking them. But Jesus called for them, saying, Permit the children to come to me, and do not hinder them, for the kingdom of God belongs to such as these. Truly I say to you, whoever does not receive the kingdom of God like a child will not enter it at all. Now this is a, an interesting little snapshot into Jesus' ministry. It's actually in each of the Synoptic Gospels in, in Mark and Matthew as well with a few other details. But it, it fits well in the Gospel of Luke because Luke was focused on those that the rest of the culture didn't consider important. Luke has a lot of interactions with the sick or the unclean, with foreigners, with women, and here with children, those that the society at the time did not care to focus on, but he wants to highlight Jesus' focus on them. And so in this text, we're going to see Jesus' heart for little children, and we're going to see some lessons that we learn through the example of Jesus. Look at a few details from Mark as well. He highlights a, a couple unique things in, in verse uh, in Mark 10, 13, it says very similarly that they were bringing their children to him that he might touch them, but the disciples rebuked them. It adds this detail, but when Jesus saw this, he was indignant and said to them. And it concludes that he took his arms and began blessing the children, laying his hands on them. The first lesson I want us to think about from the example of Jesus is that little children are important to Christ. They're important to Christ. 
There's not a lot of context to this account. It says, and they were bringing even their babies to him. This is something that would be expected in that culture to a degree in that parents would often bring their young children to uh, a well-known rabbi or teacher for the sake of that teacher or rabbi offering some blessing to them. You, you may think of times in the Old Testament where uh, a father would bless a child or another would. Uh, lots of examples of that in the Old Testament, whether that's Noah or Abraham or others. And so there was a, a common desire to say, we want our little one to be blessed. Part of that had to do with just the practical realities of life in that day. Many people died young. And so they were hopeful that their child would live and grow to be an adult. But here Jesus, as he's been ministering and teaching, these parents are bringing their, their young children, their babies, their infants or, or toddlers, that word would be used for, to him. But look at the disciples' reaction. It says, when the disciples saw it, they began rebuking them. You, you can picture the scene, can't you? Jesus having been teaching or, or ministering in various ways, and these parents are coming to bring their young children to Jesus, and the disciples are like crowd control. You know, they're the guys trying to keep people away from Jesus. And they're like, hey, no, no, you don't, you don't need to bring your child to Jesus. He's got more important things to do. You know, we don't know exactly what was uh, in the disciples' heart. Maybe they just viewed young children as, as unimportant. They're like, Jesus has, has bigger fish to fry than blessing young children. He, he's teaching with authority. He's, he's performing miracles and healing. He doesn't have time for that. Perhaps he, he viewed them as a distraction. You know, hey, we're, we're trying to teach here, and we don't need kids running around. We don't need that kind of environment. Uh, let's, let's keep the focus on what we are, are, are doing. Really, the disciples reflected largely the attitude of their culture. One commentator put it this way. He said, in general, childhood was viewed as an unavoidable and uncelebrated interim until the young were mature enough to bear children and contribute to the workforce. That's how some are, are tempted to think even, even today. It's unavoidable. You, you have to go through it. You have to endure it. An uncelebrated time until people can be more able to contribute to the family or to society. The commentator went on and said, One will search ancient literature in vain for sympathy toward the young comparable to that shown them by Jesus. That's the contrast here. The disciples are saying, No, keep the little kids away. They're, they're a distraction. They're not important. We don't need to focus on that. And Jesus, what did Mark say? It said he became indignant with them. You know, Jesus did get angry. He, he didn't get angry for sinful reasons. But in this case, he is upset with the disciples. Now, the disciples did a lot of foolish stuff. They did a lot of stuff that would have made uh, any one of us angry and frustrated with them. Uh, but Jesus often had great patience with them. He was often very kind to redirect them and to, and to instruct them. But here, he's angry. He's indignant. And he said, permit the children to come. Do not hinder them. He says it positively. Let them come. Don't stop them. And, and negatively, don't hinder them. Don't stop them. Jesus valued these little children. He wanted to interact with them, with their parents. They were important to him. They were a key part of ministry for Jesus. So we see little children were important to Christ, and they should be important to us as well. But if we're honest, we can all be tempted 
to view children more like the disciples than Jesus. A distraction from things more important. Think even of your home and the things that are on your to-do list. And sometimes it's like, ah, I just want to get to those things. But we have children and they are a distraction from that. A disruption to it. An annoyance or just a season of life we hope will hurry by. I remember when our girls were younger, um, our youngest turns 13 here in um, another week or so. We'll have five teenagers for about two months until our oldest turns 20. But I remember those seasons when our girls were younger and you feel like, you know, you're barely keeping your head above water and you can find yourself just focusing on the fact that I, I hope we get past this season soon. Like, can't we just move on to the next season of life? But if we're not careful, we view every season of life that way and we never enjoy and embrace the one that the Lord has given us at the time. Jesus valued young children. They were important to Him and they should be to us as well. But We see a second lesson, which is that little children are received by Christ. Notice what Jesus said. He said, Permit the children to come to Me and do not hinder them For the kingdom of God belongs to such as these. He said, let them come to me. Don't hinder them. Don't stop them. And Why was that? You say, well, it's because they're so cute. I mean, the photo op with a cute smiling baby. What's better than that? You know what? Did he say, don't hinder them? I mean, their parents came a really long way. And I mean, they're loaded down. They've got their stroller and their diaper bag and all the stuff. I mean, look how hard they work to get here to be with us with their little baby kicking and screaming. And so we should at least give them a little something. Was that what he said? No, he says, don't hinder them. Let them come for the kingdom of God belongs to such as these. Think about that. What does this mean that the kingdom of God belongs to such as these? Now, some focus on the fact that this teaches or what this teaches about all who are a part of the kingdom. That any who are in the kingdom have certain childlike qualities. And this is true. We'll see that explicitly in the next verse when Jesus says, Whoever does not receive the kingdom like a child will not enter it. It's true that everybody who's a part of Christ's kingdom has certain things about them, characteristics that are like a child. But it seems that Jesus is primarily here teaching something about little children. Why do I say that? Well, part of it is this statement is the reason Jesus is said to want the children to come to Him. He he says, let them come. Why? For the kingdom of heaven belongs to such as these. Is it simply that he's saying, hey, little kids make a good object lesson. So let them come to me because I need the object lesson of a little baby that I can show to teach a truth about the gospel. Well, he's going to do that. He's going to teach a truth about the gospel. But that's not his heart here. It's not just that they're a good object lesson. It's not simply that you know he wants to make a point. He genuinely and tenderly cares for them and bless them. And he got angry at the disciples for not allowing, allowing them to come. And, and Mark records how after this, he took them in his arms and began blessing them, laying his hands on them. You can just picture the tenderness as he is embracing and holding that young child, blessing them, praying over them. The, the idea is, is with great passion that he is doing that. He's, he's engaged. 
You know, this statement itself literally could be, could be translated, of such is the kingdom of God. It's as if Jesus is saying, I feel the same way toward these little children as I do toward anyone who is a part of my kingdom. I will bless them as I would bless any of my children. Now, now is Jesus saying that all children are a part of the kingdom of God? No, he's, he's not really saying that. They are all still sinners as they grow, as they display their sinfulness. They, they need the gospel. They need to repent and believe in order to enter the kingdom. But Jesus does connect them to the kingdom and, and bless them. I, I believe Jesus here is alluding to the fact that he has a special love and care for little children. So much so that when young children die, they go to be with the Lord, even though they haven't understood and responded to the gospel. This is a a truth that I don't think Jesus is explicitly teaching here. No text explicitly states that, but certainly I think that is one of the implications of this. Spurgeon said this, of this reality. He said, we say with regard to infants, scripture saith but very little. And therefore, where Scripture is confessedly scant, it is for no man to determine dogmatically. But he goes on to say, I believe that the Lord Jesus, who said of such is the kingdom of heaven, doth daily and constantly receive into his loving arms those tender ones who are only shown and then snatched away to heaven. Spurgeon is saying in part because of this text that he believes that when little children die, they do in fact go to heaven. Now, I know a number in this room, even uh, my wife and I, have been through a miscarriage or, or other loss of, of a young child. And while the Scripture does not definitively answer the question clearly, you know, this is what happens to babies when they die, there are implications in Scripture that I think make it clear that we have the hope of our little ones being with the Lord. I want to take just a, a moment to address that because it's, a, it's a, an issue that weighs heavily on the hearts and minds of those with young children. I'll mention one resource that John MacArthur's written called Safe in the Arms of God that's a, a helpful book on this if you'd like to read more. Why can we have confidence that young children who die either before or after birth are with the Lord? I'll give you three reasons. One is because of how God describes little children in Scripture. I just want to read some verses for you. Ezekiel 16, 20-22 says this. It says, Moreover, you took your sons and daughters whom you had borne to me and sacrificed them to idols to be devoured. Were your harlotries so small a matter? You slaughtered my children and offered them up to idols by causing them to pass through the fire. He was rebuking them for their child sacrifice and spoke of my children. Deuteronomy 1, 39, the the older generation would die in the wilderness, but he says, Moreover, you little ones who you said would become a prey, and your sons who this day have no knowledge of good or evil shall enter there, and I will give it to them, and they shall possess it. He makes a contrast between those who, who know better, as it were, and those who are young who have no knowledge of good and evil. Doesn't mean they're not sinners by nature, doesn't mean they won't be sinners in practice as they grow. They will. But there's a distinction that Scripture makes. Jeremiah 19.4 refers to young children as the, the blood of the innocent. 
Jonah 4.11 says, Should I not have compassion on Nineveh, the great city in which there are more than 120,000 persons who don't know the difference between their right and left hand? Who's that? Young children, as well as many animals. says, I, I would certainly have compassion on all of those young children who don't know the difference. While children are born with a sin nature as humans due to the representation of Adam, God distinguishes in Scripture those who know the difference between good and evil and those who don't. Theologians call this an age of accountability, or I think better said, a condition of accountability. It's not an age that's the same for everybody, but that point at which somebody goes from uh, from, uh, not understanding the realities of, of right and wrong to, to clearly understanding I am doing what I want to do instead of what God says for me to do. And I am able to understand, to believe and respond to or to reject the truth of the gospel. A second reason I think we can have this hope is because of why God brings judgment in Scripture. It's interesting, judgment never comes for being born with a sinful nature. Judgment comes for the deeds done in this life in disobedience to the Lord and rejection of His Son. won't take a lot of time to think about it, but Revelation 20, verse 12 puts it clearly. It says, I saw the dead, the great and the small, standing before the throne, and books were opened, and another book was opened, which is the book of life, and the dead were judged, what? From the things which were written in the books according to their deeds. Judgment comes not because they were sinful by nature, but because they were sinners in action, because of the deeds that they had done. Third reason we see is the, what we read in Scripture about the death of infants. Job 3.11-13 is one example of this. Job was reflecting on himself, thinking about the trials of his life, and he asked this question, Why did I not die at birth? Come from, forth from the womb and expire. It's a sobering thought. He said, why didn't I just die stillborn? He says, why did the knees receive me and why the breasts that I should suck? For now I would have lain down and been quiet. I would have slept then. I would have been at rest. What's Job expressing? He's like, man, it would have been better for me to die at birth. Now certainly some of that is he was overwhelmed by the trials of life, but I don't think he's reflecting on that just in this life. I think he's recognizing, I I would have been spared the trials and troubles of this life and and gone to be with the Lord. 2 Samuel 12, when David's little child died, he expressed this confidence. It said, now that he had died, why should I fast? Can I bring him back again? You remember his his servants were afraid to tell him he died. They were eager to... uh, uh, or they were afraid of his response because he'd been in, in agony, fasting and praying for that child's life. And they're like, if that's what he was doing while he was still alive, what's he going to do when he dies? And, and he surprises them. Instead of, of being in more anguish, he says, why should I fast? Can I bring him back again? I will go to him, but he will not return to me. David had that hope that My little one has died. God has made his decision and not spared my child. And I will not fight against that. I will have hope that I will one day see him again. You see, God is by nature a Savior. He delights in showing grace to sinners through his Son. If he does that, as Scripture describes, to little ones who die. 
You see, Jesus clearly received these little ones to himself. He, he said, such is the kingdom of God as, as he was holding those little, child, little children and he blessed them. If you're in Christ and you've lost a little one, you can say with David, can I bring him back again? No, but I will go to him. He will not return to me. Little children are important to Jesus. He loved them and welcomed them. And, and little children are received by Jesus even in death. Thirdly, little children are models of saving faith. Jesus does use these children to teach a larger lesson to those who are present. He did this in multiple occasions. Helping to demonstrate the reality of saving faith through little child. Notice verse 17, he said, Truly I say to you, he's been talking about the children, holding the children, now he says, I say to you, whoever does not receive the kingdom of God like a child will not enter it at all. You know, this really fits the theme of this section of Luke. He's just finished with the, um, the parable of the Pharisee and the tax collector. If you remember that story, there was the, the Pharisee who was proud, who was arrogant, who said, thank God that I'm not like other people. And there was the tax collector whose prayer from far away without even lifting up his eyes was, God, be merciful to me, the sinner. That contrast between self-righteous arrogance and pride and humble faith and trust. After this account comes the rich young ruler, the, the, the ruler who came and said, good teacher, what shall I do to inherit eternal life? And, and Jesus told him, of, uh, or asked him, why do you call me good? And he said, you, you know the commandments. And, and he gave him the one thing to do that he was unwilling to do because this man was trying to earn his, his favor with God. And, and this man went away sad because he was unwilling to do what Christ had told him to do. What's the point of all these? The point is that saving faith comes to those who have humble, childlike dependence on Christ. This means first, we recognize our complete helplessness. What is it about children that is a picture of saving faith? Well, it's, it's that, uh, that reality of their, their helplessness. They know their need. And secondly, the acknowledgement of our total dependence on Christ. Children are a picture of, of receiving from others what they do not have in and of themselves. Not all the time. Not every child all the time is humble and eager to receive from others. Certainly that's not the case in, in many situations. But that's the picture of what a, a childlike faith and trust is. Undoubtedly, you've seen that with your children, that, that innocent faith that just accepts what they need and accepts what they are given. You know, the degree to which you trust another is only as great as the degree to which you do not trust yourself. You cannot hold on to yourself and to Christ. It's one or the other. That's Jesus' larger point in this context. Saving faith requires complete trust in Christ, a total absence of trust in ourselves, an understanding of our helplessness and dependence. It's a childlike faith. Jesus says we must enter the kingdom of heaven 
like a child. Humble, aware of our need, resting entirely on the work of Christ. Now, certainly one of the implications of this, if Jesus says you have to have childlike faith in order to be saved, is that a child who has childlike faith can be saved. Now, Joe talked last time about evangelizing children and the resource that the elders have put together to help parents and children's workers think about those issues. And, and one of the pitfalls is, is not sharing the gospel with kids, thinking, oh, we'll get to that truth later then they can understand more of it oh, we we're to be teaching the truth of the gospel to kids but we do need to be careful we need to be cautious that we're not manipulating young children into a profession of faith one of the things that scripture teaches about children is is not only that they're a model of childlike saving faith but that they are a model of easily being swayed and tossed to and fro ephesians 4 speaks of that and other texts. So you can get children to do a lot of different things in ways that, uh, that are more um, unintentionally manipulative. You know, if you go into a room of kids and you ask how many of you, you know, here's what heaven's like, here's what hell's like, who wants to go to heaven, most of them will say, yeah, that sounds good to me. You, you can convince kids in those ways. So we have to be careful not to manipulate young children into professing faith in Christ. At the same time, we need to teach the gospel clearly and help them to understand the response of faith. We also need to be careful not to strongly assure young children of their salvation. Just because uh, a five-year-old says, I believe in Jesus, doesn't necessarily mean they're saved. It doesn't mean they're not. It just means time is going to help demonstrate the reality of fruit. One author, Jim Elif, in his book, Your Child's Profession of Faith, put it this way. He said, if I gave you a seed to plant in the ground and told you it was a certain type of flower, you would not know for sure it was so, even if it began to sprout. You would know more when it put out leaves, and you'd be even more sure when the bud appears, but you would know for certain when it blooms. He goes on and says, can children be converted at a young age? Yes. Can we know with certainty that they are converted at a young age? Often not. You know, many of you here today and many of your children will likely believe that you were converted or saved at a, at a young age, and that's indeed possible. It's a childlike faith. However, your assurance should not come from the fact that you said a, as a young child that you believed or, or you prayed a prayer or the same for your children. Your assurance will grow as you see the fruit in your life and the continuation of, of the gospel. That's really what we're learning in, in 1 John. It comes as, as that seed buds and, and flowers and we see the work of God continuing in our hearts. If you see no fruit at this stage of your life, your childhood conversion was simply not real. Unfortunately, there are many who believe they are Christians today because of something they did as a child when there's no evidence to demonstrate the reality of that changed life. So what do we learn about children from Jesus. Well, he viewed them as important. They weren't a distraction. They weren't a disruption to his day. They were an important part of the ministry that God had given to him, and he loved them. He was eager to receive them, to pray for them, eager to, to bless them, eager to receive them as, as, as such are those in the kingdom. And, and he recognized them as a model or a picture of saving faith. So what should our attitude be regarding little children? Well, we should care about them. We should love them and view them as important. 
Sometimes that just means, as a parent, you know, changing our mindset instead of thinking, ah, why do I have to deal with my child again? To say, no, I get to. I get to engage with my child. I get to be a parent. What a privilege and a blessing. What a joy, even at the stages of life where we may not see the same level of fruit that we long for eventually. We should minister to them, praying for them as Jesus did here evangelizing them, recognizing there will come a day if your children are very young and they're they're likely there where they do understand the truth, where they do recognize there's an authority over them and they rebel against that authority. They need to know the gospel. They need to be called to respond in faith and we should be like them, wholly dependent upon our Father for salvation and resting and trusting Him with a childlike, humble, dependent faith. I love how the Lord's Prayer begins, Our Father who art in heaven. That recognition that God is our Father. We are that toddler in desperate need, helpless in and of ourselves, and yet God is the gracious one who provides and cares for us. Jesus loves the little children. You've probably heard that song before. Uh, A lot of A lot of children have sung that song and they've sung that song in part because it's true and we see that reflected in this text that Jesus viewed them as important. He received them and he held them up as an example of the faith that we all should have. Let's pray together. Our Father, thank you for this text that reveals your heart for children. Thank you that Jesus wasn't too busy to minister to little ones. Thank you that he didn't view them as a distraction or a disruption, but he loved them and cared for them. He valued them and he recognized the importance of ministry to them. Lord, help that to be true of us, of each parent in this room who has young children who are at a a difficult season um, that, that requires a lot of physical energy and endurance that requires a lot of doing the same thing over and over again, seeking to care physically and spiritually for our kids. And I pray that we would find joy in that, that we would value that ministry, and that you would um, give us joy in, in the proclamation of the gospel to them. And Lord, thank you for the comfort that we find in the fact that you are a gracious Savior, that you take young children to be with yourself. Lord, we love you. We thank you for our time together tonight. We entrust our time of discussion and fellowship to you in Christ's name. Amen.